what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings that keep checking in every single week to listen to this podcast. Doers, creators, entrepreneurs, uh, hustlers, CEOs, artists, musicians, producers. I mean, you guys are like in a multitude of different areas, but most importantly, you share a very common characteristic, thinking outside the box, creating your own path probably misunderstood as I always address you guys and I get it I get you we get you my guests get you we all choose paths that make more sense to us and and I always appreciate all of you guys for tuning in especially because um you know going down a direction that feels more right for you sometimes is uh misunderstood right and I and I, I feel you and I get you and it's been like that for my whole life luckily I had people who supported the uh hey yeah you should go do that mentality. And uh, I, I just really appreciate all of you. Now, uh, we've picked up on quite a few new listeners. So I just want to thank the new listeners as well. My original listeners, you guys are like family. My new listeners, you are a new family. And really, really appreciate it. And um, just a quick introduction. I'm Matt Gottesman. Uh, and you can reach out to me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram. If you want to email me, reply on my wall, DM me, whatever. I reply to all DM and text as well as on HDF Magazine, uh, you can reach me there. Uh, get in the conversation at the creativity, the intersection of creativity and culture and entrepreneurship, all those things, and at Hustle Sold Separately on Insta as well. And you guys know, I, ju- I do my best to answer every single text I possibly can, so I really appreciate you guys. And for the new listeners, we do not glamorize or glorify end success here. Success is a very arbitrary word. Uh, because it is different and unique to every single individual. It really is about defining what uh, makes the most sense for you, not what is often displayed across media, which even then has its <laughs> um, whole other uh, highlight reel, right? And so I always encourage everybody, like, do you, do what makes the most sense. And every one of our guests that come on the show talk about their path and what they're learning along the way. Um, you know, they've had successes, they've had some. Uh, interesting bumps, if you will, at times as well, too. But they're always constantly learning, too. It's about humanizing the creative and entrepreneurial journey or building upon something that you really believe in. So welcome to all of you guys. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. And today's theme, we're going to talking about leading yourself first in life. Um, That is a very big deal. (laughs) And I could probably unpack that on an easy one hour, two hour show uh, rant. and luckily, I've got a great guest for that. And, and we're also going to we're also gonna be relating as well to to business and, you know, talking about products and services that um, put the client's interest first in business. So leading yourself first in life and then having that foundation will also help you lead in business and the people you are serving. The higher the self-awareness, the more you're rooted in your own growth and understanding the better you're communicating and delivering in service to others, i.e. the people that you are, are your customers or your clients or whatever it might be. So there's a huge correlation between the two. And I'm gonna be talking with Dan Cockrell, who's the founder of, of Cockrell Consulting, um, former VP of Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World, Florida. <laughs> One of the most humble people I have talked with. Uh, we, we got into like, it was like an hour long conversation before the new year. And it was interesting because when we talked and he was like, yeah, you know, former executive with, with Disney, it was great to hear that. I just didn't know the depths of uh, his background until I, I got his bio and we were just talking about for the show. And I said, I didn't realize you're the former VP like of Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World, like that entire container. So, you know, uh, I really appreciate we just had an incredible conversation last year, late last year, and really glad to have him on the show. So just to, again, just to give you a quick uh, background. Former VP, Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World, Florida, attended Boston University, graduated in 91, earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science. And then after graduation, uh, he moved to Florida and worked as a parking attendant at Disney's Epcot Center. He then joined the Disneyland Paris Management Trainee Program as part of an opening team, moved to France in 92, 
While he was in Paris, he held various management positions in parking, ticketing, guest relations, food and beverages, and human resources. First of all, anybody listening, I just want you to understand, do you see that there's a process to like learning the ins and outs, whether it's in a in a corporate environment or in a your build your own business environment? Like you can't skip the processes. And I just wanted to give him a lot of credit. And I wanted you all to hear what he went through as he was building on his career. Um, after spending five years in France, Dan relocated to Florida, held a variety of executive roles at the Walt Disney World Resort, uh, both in the theme parks and resort hotels. Last nine years with the company, he was successfully uh, the vice president of Epcot, vice president of Disney's Hollywood Studios, and eventually vice president of the Magic Kingdom, where he led 12,000 cast members and entertained over 20 million guests annu- annually. That's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> he earned his MBA in 2001 at the uh, Kramer School of Business and, uh, at Rollins College. In addition to his operational responsibilities, he was a keynote speaker for the world-renowned Disney Institute for 18 years. He has addressed open enrollment participants from all over the world, as well as attendees in custom programs, including the USAA Bank, General Motors, the U.S. Department of State, U.S. Army, the Southern Methodist University Business School, Porsche AG, and United Airlines. And he served on the board of Junior Achievement of Central Florida from 04 to 2018 and was chairman in 2010. And after fulfilling an exciting 26-year career with the Walt Disney Company, he and his wife, Valerie, made the decision to set out on a new venture and start their own consulting and speaking business. Uh, and he provides customized, authentic presentations, insightful workshops, one-on-one coaching, focusing on leadership and management practices, drawing upon his extensive Disney career with relevant examples and inspired to storytelling. Most importantly, everybody that's listening, and I, I really encourage you to go check him out online. <clears throat> when you have that level of experience and then you decide to give it back is so unbelievably vital and key. <clears throat> I'm, I'm getting choked up over here. No, <laughs> um, but I, I truly appreciate um, his process of learning and then giving back. And I think that that's something that, you know, I always say, go get advice, uh, mentorship or training or whoever from people you admire and you would trade places with because they, they've done it. So Dan, thank you for being on the show, man. I really appreciate you coming. Man, Matt, I'm pumped up. That introduction was awesome. (laughs) Well-deserved. Well, the intro I gave you, I think it was way too long. It's like, okay, there's a lot of stuff there, but, um, no, I'm, I'm excited. I just love talking about this stuff. And to your point, you know, when we talked at the end of last year, I wish we'd just recorded that phone call because we were so aligned on a lot of the principles, I think, on how we think about leadership and think about how to life and those kind of things. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be with you today. Yeah, I mean, uh, the conversation was just, uh, I remember we were going on a tear and I was like, you know what, let, let me just get you uh, scheduled right now <laughs> for the podcast because we, we got we to gotta continue the convo. Um, I know I just gave you a background, but I would love for you to share you know, uh, for more of the context, how we got here and, and, you know, some of the things that you were realizing along the way that really shaped uh, not only your thoughts on leadership, but what that was in relation to you learning about yourself and how that actually affects others. I I think we're really going to get that context from your, from, you know, your, your background. Yeah. Well, you know, I had a, um, I mean, I great, great childhood. I was, uh, um, have my parents been married for over 50 years? Um, I got, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I have, you know, outstanding issues with my parents. I don't, I don't need any, any coaching or any uh, therapy. <laughs> had a, I had a great time growing up. They're extremely supportive. And uh, my dad was in the hospitality business. So I was exposed to that. And I think I was kind of wired that way. Um, I, I had friends from college, you know, I, I talked to them like, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to work at Disney. Like, Oh, you're going to, I'm just going to be magical and all that. I'm like, yeah, you know, I like serving. I like helping people. And uh, some of my friends are like, well, that sounds like a lot of work. And so this is, and a lot of this is alignment. And when I was growing up, I played uh, sports and I was always playing sports and uh, I learned a ton about leadership playing sports. And that, that was a big reason this lead yourself first Um, as an athlete. um, I learned a lot of that. You have to take care of yourself. You can't leave anything um, to, to, uh, on the side, you got to make sure you're eating, you're sleeping, you're practicing, you're getting all the right mental preparation for competition. And, uh, I believe that that should not end when you stop playing sports. I think that's, you know, when we're working, whether we're entrepreneurs or we're in corporate environment, we are athletes and it's a stressful environment. You got to take care of yourself to think clearly, but we'll talk more about that. But anyway, I was, I never knew what I wanted to do. You know, I ended up going to Boston University in political science. Why? Because I heard Boston was a really 
cool town to go to school in. And they let me in, which is always nice. And I spent four years there. I was not a very good student, but I was very social and uh, really um, got to know people and had a great experience. I was always working from, you know, I, I, I remember in fourth grade, we lived in Chicago. And this was back when you could order like these catalogs and go sell your neighbor's greeting cards and make money. And I was doing that when I was in fourth grade. I can't imagine yeah. sending a fourth grader to go door to door today. That's like you get arrested for that. Right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I always grew up working with my wife and I have three kids. They've worked growing up ever since they were 16. They always had summer jobs. And we thought that was a big part of the learning experience is to gain um, um, confidence and, and learn how to you know, socialize with people. And so uh, I, I started, I worked at Disney one summer in college. And then, you know, as you said, I, I joined Disney right after college just to get my foot in the door. And I didn't know where that was going to lead. And 26 years later, it led to 19 different jobs and um, just an incredible ride. Worked with really talented people and learning a ton along the way. And a lot of what I believe about how people should be treated aligns with how Disney feels like people should be treated. So that's why I stayed for so long. Their culture really um, walked the talk, and that was nice. Um, and then about three years ago, um, well, four years ago, my wife and I started talking about doing something else. And she said, you know, it, you just aren't the same. It seems like you're just not quite as, you don't have that that little kick in your step like you always did. And it, I, I realized after 19 jobs in the company, it was time to get the 20th job, which was different and somewhere else. And uh, I went from, you know, leading the Magic Kingdom with 12,000 people to my wife and I and our dog. And that's our company now. So, and she asked me when I, when we were going to, I was considering this, she said, are you sure you can handle this? Your ego can handle this. And luckily growing up, my dad always reminded me, he said, Dan, remember, you're not your job. Uh, the day you leave, um, you're, you know, you're, you, you have to think about your family. That's the only thing that's going to be with you over time. And your job is what you do. I know you get a lot of satisfaction out of it. And sure enough, I kind of joke with people the day after I left Disney in May, 2018, I, I kind of joke, I looked at the newspaper on the front page because I was expecting, you know, Dan Cockrell at Disney and Magic Kingdom couldn't open the next day, but somehow it opened and lots of guests went there and, and the magic kept going. So um, um, it was a, it was a big decision to make to leave. It was scary. You know, we're still learning how to be entrepreneurs. Um, I was institutionalized when you're at the same company, 26 years and you have the resources you have, there's a bunch of stuff you never learn how to do. And now Valerie and I, my wife and I are learning how to run a business and learning how to be more creative and learning how to think critically. We're exercising a lot of the muscles that we did not have to exercise for a long time. And it's been awesome. It's been like uh, the energy level has gone up. Sometimes it's scary. You know, the pandemic hit, you know, being an entrepreneur is great until no one calls you. <laughs> then being an entrepreneur is not as fun anymore. Um, but we figured it out. And I'll tell you how we got here today uh, back during the quarantine, um, I've always been a big fan of, you know, create your own luck. Don't have a growth mindset. Um, whatever you're, you're dealt, figure it out and, and make the best of it. And so uh, when we were in quarantine, we had really not much to do. I sent out a note to all my um, email subscribers and said, hey, I'm going to start a, a one hour Zoom call um, Monday through Friday. Who's interested? And like 250 people responded. And so I ran for three months. Uh, from one to two o'clock, Monday through Friday, um, I had 10 groups going. So every two weeks we rotated through to all the groups and we would get on a Zoom call. And I had people from entrepreneurs, I had executives, I had people in Australia, Canada, Italy. There's a pilot in Uruguay who joined the groups and we started to uh, talk. We just talked about how's it going there? How are you dealing with things? And that I didn't know at the time, but it gave me my idea to start an online community, which we launched about three months ago, a subscription online community. And we got a bunch of people signed up for it and we're continuing to do that. So because I decided to do something that had no really destination during the quarantine, it created this model. We're doing this online community and Letty Lugo, who's a big fan of yours, uh, connected us because uh, she signed up for this community and that's why we're here today. So like I said, um, I'm a big believer you create your own luck. Um, there's there's tons of doors around you every day, and some of them are locked and some of them are unlocked, and you just have to choose to open these doors and go through them, not knowing what's beyond. But um, the more opportunities you create to meet new people and learn new things, you just create more opportunities, and it happens again and again and again. And uh, it's just a mindset, I think. And a lot of people want to know they want instant gratification or instant. And it's like, life doesn't work that way. Nope. You just have to be interested in people 
and opportunities um, reveal themselves as you go. I love everything you're saying. I was taking some different notes. Uh, first of all, yeah, you're right. Uh, here, that's how we're here, everybody. If you're wondering, um, uh, Letty, who follows me uh, for some time, we follow each other, and she's followed me for some time online, and is really just an advocate for my content. And she just naturally, openly giving and sharing my content. Says you got to talk to this guy, Dan. I'm like, excellent. <laughs> and here we are. But, but to your point. Um, well, there were a lot of points in there because you, were, I, I like the humility of saying like, "Hey, listen, you know, I was we were corporate. We, you know, I had a different lifestyle um, for a very long time, um, and uh, you know, you you mentioned you said you were institutionalized, and you know, things were done a certain way, um, and that there was a bunch of stuff that you never really had to learn before that you do with entrepreneurship. Um, I will say the advantage of doing the route that you did, though, is that. Um, it gave you a lot of foundational elements, um, structural, organizational, um, you know, all these things that often what lacks from entrepreneurship. Yes, creativity is definitely the key that gets you in the market and gets you in the ring to play. But man, oh, man, it's the discipline. <laughs> it's the organizational route that really scales the business. Um, and that was, you know, an area that I really had to learn. So I, I really I. I you having that experience ahead of time. But then I, I was liking how you were kind of equating like, hey, you know, we're entrepreneurs now. Like, what's that look like? Um, and uh, how do we do something different and adapt in a growing world? And I like that, you know, you and I spoke about this on the call was, you know, you're like, hey, creating a community online and learning how subscriptions now work uh, for, you know, with a recurring revenue model, but giving value that's cost effective to the community and to people who need this type of information. Uh, and I think that adaptation is so key because you have some so many people that they get stuck in their head. And I'm like, here's a perfect example of something like, hey, uh, let's just figure this out. And then one step leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. That's all any of us are doing. <laughs> There's no like magic pill. And I, I, I tell the, the audience that all the time. I'm like, none of us know what we're doing. I mean, okay, we, we take experiences and we use that to make decisions. And we hope that we're making great decisions. And the only way we know is by taking a step. But really, we don't know until we get some feedback from that step. And then it's just doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, and it's the same whether it's sports or painting or anything or business. So I, I'll, yeah. right? I'll tell you, my, my, dad, my, my dad has that almost exact same quote. He says, you know, he likes to, we'll get the family together for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And, you know, we're at the table. He starts to wax poetically because he's, you know, he's done a lot of stuff and also written books. And he says, you know, as soon as you realize that most, most people in the world have no idea what they're doing, you get a lot more confidence because, and yes. I love what you said at the beginning is, you know, the, the, the whole social media thing, people's best highlight reels we all see. And we realize, man, how, why, what am I missing? Why can't I be that smooth, that confident, that uh, assured of what I'm doing? No one does that. Everyone's putting on a facade. Now, some people are more confident than the other. And the people that are really, really confident that I have that confidence have no self-awareness. So it's a double-edged sword. But you got it. You just know, absolutely. We are all trying to figure this out as we go. And um, a lot of times it's just our, our base beliefs is what we got to just challenge. Because you know, at one point, my wife and I, it's like, all right, do we do we hang in there for another five years at Disney, go to retirement, you know, make some more money? And then we, we, we came to a conclusion that when our last, uh, we had three kids, the last one went off to college, we said, you know what? We don't need more. We need less. We don't need more complexity. We need more simplicity. So we, you know, we had a big house in Orlando. We sold that. Um, and we're now in a, this little uh, two-bedroom apartment in Colorado. And like, I'm like, so much happier and but you, it's and to your point it's the things you got to decide what things are important to you what things are going to make you feel good and, yes. and and i loved your thing you define your own success uh, we're all trying to define our success for other people and i i do that i go online i find someone i knew that's doing something I'm like man how did they get to do that I'm like damn you are really happy with what you're doing. Why do you even care about what they're doing? You should call them and just thank and just congratulate them. But there's that little thing in our mind. We're always looking, what are we missing out on? And if we can get rid of that and just embrace what we're doing, I think we'll be so much happier. It's so well put. Um, uh, somebody asked me uh, yesterday regarding that advice. Um, and I said, you know, I'm finally at that place where I'm really liking how I lay each brick. 
and having fun with the process of laying each brick without the the comparison of what others are doing. Um, I mean, it to your point, it can still inch in every now and then, a lot sure. less than it has ever been. The most, the the least it has ever been, and it's and so it's so much fun to play with that. And to your exact point that your father mentioned, which is like. Once you realize most people don't know what they're doing, <laughs> you know, and I mean, it sounds bad because you, I wish everybody well. I want everybody, to, I want everybody to succeed. It's just that the highlight reels can be so um, mentally exhausting for the, the general public. And I, and, and I feel, I think we talked about this, that part of our duty online and with our media is to represent all the facets of what goes on behind the scenes that really allow uh like for the, the the real story of hey look none of us really know what we're doing here's how we figured out here's how i can help you and hopefully this this helps you along the way and we can build community and that's it and we can just be good to each other from there uh, I, I i don't want to show you all these other things that are just purely results to give you a false sense of work <laughs> you know right. right yeah so you know something you mentioned here because i know a lot of people when i speak they go okay that's fine about creativity and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, and you had Disney on your resume and you've had some big jobs there. And so that gives you street cred to go in and work with companies. And absolutely, it's a great calling card. But what I found is once once people are interested and say, okay, I'll meet with you. I'm interested in what you can do for us. Everything you've done before doesn't matter anymore. So it's true. What can you do for this company now? Because you can say, well, I can do all this and not do it and say, yeah, well, I didn't do, I didn't do this job for you, but, you know, did you see what I used to do? Like, we don't care what you used to do. It's like we hired you to help us. So I think there's absolutely those those out there who are trying to figure out, um, okay, how do how do I become an entrepreneur? What do I offer? Um, that's some advice I got on early when I left Disney. Is like, okay, Disney's fine, but what is it you do? What are you known for? And what's the differentiator? And you know, for me, I led with culture, and that's what my book, you know, has a culture in your kingdom. I wanted people to know I understand culture. And I not only understand culture as a, a, a how to create it, but it's a business strategy. When you create great culture, you just get better results. And so I can tell that story now. So I would say people maybe that don't have the depth of experiences, you can go learn a lot of this stuff. I mean, I've learned more about creativity and innovation in the past three years than I ever learned at Disney because I was in operations there. I was executing the plan every day, to your point. We learned how to put processes in place and scale and get it right. Um, but I've learned, like I said, I've I learned a lot about creativity at Disney. But now that I'm out and have time to study it, um, I've been taking classes, online classes, uh, IDEO, IDEO.com. Of course. Is an incredible organization that teaches design thinking. And so, uh, you know, just since I love Disney, it's it, the learning doesn't stop. It just continues and hopefully accelerates. Uh, first of all, everybody listening should take note that what you just said i mean former vp disney exec saying hey you know um new uh new arena new learning a constantly forever student taking classes online classes um and i i found some of the most amazing uh guests um on fate on i don't want to call phase but like their their venture three, four, five, six. They're like, yeah. So I'm learning sewing because I somehow ended up in fashion. I was a designer for graffiti and uh, now I'm 55 and featured in the Smithsonian. I'm thinking like Mr. Cartoon. Like, <laughs> you just hear this. I'm like, did you just have a Netflix documentary? You know? And like yeah. suddenly they're like, yeah, but like now I'm being asked to do this. So uh, I'm a student again. I'm like, amazing. And you know, and, and I love yeah. hearing that, you know, 55, six years old. It's like, yeah, like, uh, like Matt, like, you know, as new ventures pop up, I want to make sure that I, you know, I'm, what goes into it? Let me respect the opportunity and and learn how to to deliver. And I and I and I think that um, your context and time has given you that humility and understanding and approach. Be like, no, you know what? I want to I want to respect the process. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. By the way, real quick, IDO IDO is amazing. The, the thank you for bringing them up. I went to their um, their offices in Silicon Valley. Wow, like just to see how design thinking in motion looks. It's yeah. unbelievable as a culture too. So that's, that's great that you brought that up. Good. Thanks. Yeah. The, um, I've learned a lot about this more recently and it's funny because design thinking for me was always intimidating. I'm like, yeah, that's not, I'm an operations guy. I don't get that. But then when you start learning about it, you're like, well, design thinking is actually being empathetic 
and thinking about how you create processes and create experiences and put yourself in the person who's experienced, put it in their shoes, put it in their customer's shoes, put yourself in your employee's shoes and just make it make sense. And I'm like, all right, I understand that. And, you know, now everywhere I go, my wife and I, I mean, we're, we're the worst. We, we evaluate every experience we have. You know what? If they move that over there, it would be so much better. They're creating this cross traffic. Well, why would they put that in place? Why don't they just have you do this? Um, and it's um, and I go to websites now and some websites just work. You just like, you know, mm-hmm. where everything is. You don't know why you know where everything is. Exactly. It just makes sense. And others are like, that button isn't here. How could they not put that button? It doesn't exist. And you find out it is there. They just didn't talk to someone and, and experience it from their point of view. And, and someone told me it's all it is empathy, being able to see others, people's points of view, which is not always easy to do. Well, you know, and it's a perfect transition because I, I want to talk about like leading yourself first. And that's exactly it with design thinking is a very unique um, concept. And you brought up empathy. And, and even I was asked the other day, like, why do you like sales so much? I'm like, it is the easiest thing. And they're like, it is not the easy. I'm like, you're making it complicated. And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, let me tell you how sales works. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I said, hi, what do you, like, what's the problem you're having? And they're like, oh, I'm having this, this. And I'm like, okay. I was like, I can either solve it with the exact discipline that I and my agency can do, or I cannot, and I have the right and the responsibility and accountability to help you get to where you need to go if it's not me. That is it. That is all. Next, next, next. <laughs> and they're like, oh, and I'm like, you're concerned with selling yourself when you should be concerned with just, you're just trying to solve their problem and either you are in the position to do so specifically or not. And if you're not, don't try to solve it because that also, that then takes up your time or your or your company or whatever it is that you're building with or whatever. Um, that eats into your time too. So it's the valuing of both parties in that process to see if you can help. And if you can help even minimally to maybe, hey, you know what? You don't need this over here. But over here, this guy over here, he has exactly what you're looking for. In fact, let me do an email for you if you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and that's it. That's it. And I was like, it's, but it's empathy. And then to your point, um, same with website. So I, I mean, I was raised around UI UX designers. So they were always like, listen, Matt, it's very simple since you're a marketer and, and you think about the customer, like everything about space and the way somebody feels when they're interacting with your product, um, or in this case, your website is, um, can you just make it as least friction as possible, least resistance for people to get the exact information that they need? Um, and you're just trying to help them get to it as quickly as possible in as few clicks as possible and um, just help them. <laughs> That's pretty much it, you know? And then of course, you know, the aesthetics, of course, and branding and all the other components that come into building it. But um, you're 100% spot on about that, about taking care of people. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would love them to eventually to do a study to see what, what, how much Amazon sales went up when they introduced one-click purchase. Right, <laughs> I was like, wondering the same thing. I mean, how many people put something in their basket and then they don't get it and they delete it? And this thing is like, you you hit the button and 10 seconds later, someone's picking it up off the shelf to mail it to you. Right. There's something about the, the simplicity of that that's just amazing. I have a, a specific question I wanted to ask you here in a second, but I was just thinking there was like a meme that I saw where the guy, it was a video meme where the guy's like about to push um, the button and he hasn't pushed it yet for Amazon. And he's like debating in the, and then the moment he like clicks it, like the doorbell rings. Yeah. <laughs> He starts like testing how fast the product comes. But what I was gonna what I was gonna ask you is I've noticed as you were talking, both there's a lot of self-awareness in there um about hey, when I leave this job and, and then your wife saying, you know, hey, are you, is your ego gonna be okay with that the change? Um, there's this uh, level of you where you're constantly thinking about um what's most important to you. There's this humility of, well, I'm gonna learn some of these things. Um you know, so I can deliver more appropriately and I'm gonna take these online classes. There's a lot of this self-awareness that ultimately I believe makes people have the kind of outcomes that they want. And sometimes they get a little tripped up. You're able to really lead, you know, yourself first. How did you, how does that develop or how do you practice that over time? Um, I know you and I do it, but I would love for the audience to really hear like your, your, your take on it because how did you get there? How did that, that happen? Yeah. Well, I think the first part is um, it's, it was a practical matter. Uh, when I was at, at, at Disney, it's just, it's stressful. I mean, the pace 
at which that place operates. I, you know, I, I knew it was fast when I left Disney and I saw how the pace of most jobs in the world are, I'm like, man, we are crazy. I mean, it's just the, 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 the quick, I mean, the, how fast people respond to emails and how quick decisions are made and in the operation, you just have to respond. And so one of the things I just, just to survive there, I, um, you know, I had, to, I knew that um, I, ha- I had to be in a good place uh, and I had to make sure that I felt good because when you're, you're at Disney, people, everyone's looking at you. You're, you're on the limelight all the time and you're being evaluated on who you say hi to, or you smiling. And when the product is, we make magic, you better be on most of the time. You can't walk around and be like, all right, another day at the magic kingdom. You know, it's like, no, this is the most magical place on earth. So how do you deliver that? And I just went back to, um, I just thought about times when I felt really good and, a lot of it is basic stuff. And so when I wrote my book, um, we, there's a whole, the whole first section of the book is on leading self and our publisher, we, we had a long conversation about whether uh, we should put that at the back of the book. And they said, look, you know, people don't expect this in a management leadership book. And so it's going to be, it's going to feel like a self-help book and people may be turned off by that who are, really want business advice or business models. And I said, well, look, and, and Valerie did a great job. She said, well, Dan, if we put lead self at the back of the book, we're going to do the exact same thing most people do. They don't take care of themselves. They, they, yes. they, um, um, they, they, they work too much. They sacrifice their health for their companies, for their families. And, um, and so I, I, we, we left it up front. And so a lot of it is very basic stuff. Like, do you get enough sleep? You know, and they say seven hours is probably the minimum. A lot of people have this thing where, you know, well, I only get four hours of sleep because I have kids and I have a job or maybe I have two jobs. And it's just, it's over time. It is not healthy. It is very detrimental to your health. Do you eat right? Do you eat the right portions? It's easy to eat sugar in the United States. Uh, and that contributes to so many problems. Um, do you exercise? And you don't have to be a triathlete, but do you get out and walk? Do you actually go get your heart rate up? That was my, at Disney, that was my therapy. If I could swim or run, I was 100% better. I was more patient with people. I was friendlier because those endorphins, that was my thing. Now, exercise won't be the thing for everyone. Some people, it's going to be their faith. It's going to be their hobby. It's going to be, I don't know, sewing, or it's going to be something that they have for themselves. Um, and then it gets you get an emotional intelligence. If you're not emotionally mm-hmm. in a good place with people, they can sense your frustration. Uh, if, you, if you're always letting your adrenaline go up every time something happens, you can't think clearly. So I knew these were all important. And as we wrote the book, we read more and more about each of these topics. And, you know, as I did that, I educated myself more about how to be self-aware. It doesn't happen by accident. I think you just got to, you need to think about it. You have to make it a habit, right? When you start doing things regularly and thinking about them regularly, they become unconscious habits. And uh, I got to a point where when I start to, I get up some mornings and I'm like, everything my wife does is annoying to me. I'm like, all right, I love her. We've been married for 27 years. This usually doesn't annoy me. So maybe it's not her. Maybe it's me. And when I, when I can come when I can conclude that I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep my distance this morning and not be a jerk. And, and this afternoon I'll probably be in a better place again. And you just start to realize why am I reacting to certain situation emotionally? When someone says something in a certain way, why do I feel my heart rate go up? What is it I'm responding to? It's okay to respond to things. And sometimes your response can be, you know, very aggressive back, but at least you choose that response. And, uh, and we, we talked about that over time. And um, for years, I've been preaching to people. I said, look, you got to know what your priorities are. I have three priorities in my life. Um, and I said, what do you think the first one is? And everyone says, well, it's your family, it's your kids. I said, no, they're second. People are like, what? I said, yep, they're second. I said, um, I'm my first priority. I take care of myself first. I find time for myself. Is if I can do that, I'm a better father, I'm a better spouse, I'm a better parent, I'm a better son, I'm a better boss. Um, so I got to check that box off first. Number two is my family. Take out the garbage, answer the text when your wife texts you, call your kids and check in with them. Don't overreact when they do something wrong, all that stuff. Call your mom. That's all the family stuff. And then, you know, career, your job. And I say every week, um, I have a little virtual checklist. How did I do on myself this week? Did I get to work out every day? Did I not work out because I had to go in early for a meeting? Was I traveling? Have I called my mom? And you're sort of juggling these priorities. So for me, it's self, family, career, 
and I, that's my scorecard and everyone else's scorecard may be different, but it just puts the most important things top of mind. And then are you taking action? Are you actually doing things that support those things? I, I love all of that stuff. I hope everybody just like took notes on that. I, I, and I, and I preach it. I, I think, um, it's so easy for people to observe others and offer opinions. And I tell everybody, I'm like, listen, put yourself under the microscope apply critical thinking <laughs> critical thinking will literally solve pretty much like 99 percent of your problems um oh. and uh because really what you did is you just asked you just checked in with yourself if you put yourself first well let me back up there was a there's a great um uh they had like these oxford talks online and i forget there was this british actor and he was talking to the audience and he's like you know how you uh, is there anybody here in the audience like really treat their friend like really, really well, like they say something and they mess up and you're like, oh, you'll be okay. You know, but let, let's, let's, let's work through the problem, but you know, you're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And he's like, and they, you, they could really mess up, like really, really mess up. And everyone's like laughing. He goes, you ever wonder why you don't do the same thing to yourself? So when you mess up, a show yourself grace, B critically think, C ask yourself, like, how could I do this like better? What did I miss? So I tell people, I'm like, if you see patterns that are happening, it's perfectly normal, perfectly natural, happens to all of us. What are you gonna do about those patterns? Just take a step back. And that part you brought up about the wife was 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 key because our loved ones can be the very first people that feel the brunt of us maybe not being in alignment with ourselves or just having a moment that somewhere a trigger came up that's just kind of dictating a habit at the moment right now. And maybe it's something new as an opportunity to learn like, Oh, well, that's something new I can learn about myself versus responding, um, uh, as a mechanism for something I don't understand yet. Uh, and you brought up when you choose to respond because you now have more of a knowing and an, an intention behind your, you're just clearer. So I, I, yeah. I, just, I thought that was all, key uh, and then you said you know finding time for yourself and i think as human beings we make it a lot more complex because that's what human being us as human beings do but it really is if i can check in with myself and give myself that time first and i can fill up my cup then i can easily show up for the next priority which is my family and then so forth down the chain of everybody else and serve in mass but without me yeah. feeling full how am i going to ever do that Yep. And your point, it does take discipline. Cause when I was working at Disney, um, you know, I, I, when I got home at night, I was, I was done. So I had to get up early. So I got up at four 35 every day and I'd go out and run or go to the YMCA and take a swim. And then I'd be in work early. I'd get work done and I'd get home and hopefully have enough quality time with my family. And I'd be in bed by like eight o'clock. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that was the sacrifice it took. I usually went to bed before my kids did. But the point was I needed to fit it all in and um, and I needed to get enough sleep and in order to get enough sleep and get up early enough and be able to kind of take care of myself and get a workout in and be at work enough time to be effective there. It took a lot of energy. And the only way I could renew that energy was through exercise and feeling good you know, physically. And so that's why I had to make that happen. And it got out of balance sometimes during the holidays. I was working seven days a week. Um, Christmas morning, I had to get up, we'd open presents and I was out of the door by 6, 37 AM and wasn't home till like late that night. So there's definitely sacrifices along mm -hmm. the way, but if you figure out what's important to you, you'll figure out ways to spend time with them. And if people just say, well, I just don't have enough time to do all the things I want to do. Well then prioritize and yes. do less things. Yes. Just figure out what the important things are. Uh, so true. Uh, do I, I say do more with less or do more and less. And, and, it, and I tell you, slow. if you can slow things down, you can actually speed up a lot of other things in your life. But when we're spread out too much doing too many things, it really is about priorities. It's funny. All, all the things you hear as a child, <laughs> you eventually have to tackle. You either eventually tackle it or you don't. And uh, my opinion is that you have no choice, but you have to tackle it. And, and priorities are a huge thing. Um, and I was, uh, I was asked about that the other day about how do you prioritize your priorities? Right. And I was like, yeah. you know, uh, well, um, what is the life that you're looking for and how are you making time to understand all the different areas that go into each of those things? And then how are you, what are the actions aligned with what you're doing in each of those areas to cultivate that life? And um, then it's just the discipline of doing the work and showing up and being your word. Um, and there's plenty of distractions out there, but 
uh, that's how we learn, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, do you, I mean, you're on the entrepreneurial side, but you're dealing with a lot of executives as well. I'm sure that reach out to you. Are you, what do you feel might be missing from leadership in companies? We're in a very transitional time. It's a very transformational time. It has been for years, but I think that got a little accelerated in more recent times. Um, and do you feel that there are some things missing in leadership from companies that other companies is not missing? And that's why you're starting to see this, this shift of some doing better than others is, I mean, is, and I, I feel a lot of it actually has to deal with emotional intelligence among a few other things, but I would love to get your take of what, what do you think might be missing from some of the leadership that could be doubled down on right now? Yeah. So I think, gosh, there's, a, there's, there's so right. many things. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. The, well, you know, working in a company where the quarterly earnings, you got to hit your quarterly earnings and it is really important. Um, and what I saw that, and this was once again, I was a student of, of, of Disney leadership for many years. What Disney did, which I think was great, was they said, okay, you are going to be held accountable to get the results. You got to hit your numbers. You got to hit whatever goal we have. We have to hit that goal no matter what. And we are going to lay out the, what are acceptable behaviors from a leadership standpoint. And you have to play by those rules. And so, you know, a lot of companies, yeah, I'll, I'll hit the quarterly earnings every time, but I'll fire people, I'll mistreat people, I won't worry about any balance, everyone's going to work whenever I want, they're going to be on call 24 hours a day, and, and they'll leave, but we can always get more people, to, we can hire more people. That's not a way to run a company, but you'll get results. And over time, you won't get results, you won't get those sustainable results. But if you, if, if people can come up with a protocol, here's how you need to be treated, Here's um, when you're on vacation, I'm not going to call you. Just tell me who's in charge and I won't bug you on vacation because you need to have downtime. Um, if you can come up with the things, I need to sit down with you and have a conversation about your, um, you know, your career goals. What do you like about your job right now? Um, where, what can I do as your boss to improve to be a better boss so we can lead? I can lead better because if I lead better, you're going to do a better job. And, you know, that, these are just a lot of things a lot of companies don't focus on because they're so caught up in reacting in the moment to get the financials, to be able to, you know, make enough money to, for the shareholders or whatever it is. They don't take a step back to put in all the other things that are upstream, which are create the right culture, create the right relationships with people, take time to set clear expectations so people know what they're trying to do and what the rules of the game are. And a lot of people walk into work every day and they walk into chaos because they don't know what mood their boss is going to be in. They don't know what projects are going to pop up today. They don't know what the end goal is. And it's, it's, it, it, it's really, and, and once again, this aligns very nicely with sports. You know, sports is such a great analogy. If you have a game plan, everybody knows their role. They trust the people they're working with. Um, they'll work really hard. And if they know they work together, they're going to get to that goal. Then um, there's a lot less energy expended to get results much more easily. But um, I think you said it, you have to slow down in order to speed up and you have to have a plan and you can't just have a knee jerk reaction every day on what's in front of you. You have to have a, a methodology and a protocol of how to make decisions. And uh, I think that's something I learned over time. Uh, well put. And, you know, and it's been interesting. Uh, I remember when you were telling me about um, the transition from, you know, a, a corporate world into this entrepreneurial world, but really being so focused on community. And uh, first of all, I was so amped when you said that on our call. I was like, yes, see, like, oh, I and mean, it makes sense because you came from a very community driven brand. I was like, this guy gets it, you know, because um, it's always amazing to me how many people are like, um, trying to understand the, the online digital world and I'm like well it's just a more connected world and what does a more connected world want community <laughs> you don't have to come together uh, uh as evidence this week in the markets but <laughs> we'll leave yeah. that we'll leave that part out as well too about what happened there but <laughs> but yeah when communities get together um you know in a digitally connected savvy world uh, paradigm shifts can can happen but I so I really love that you saw the value of community right away and you started um, creating around that and I would love for you to, to expand more on kind of like what you're learning from that whole process and 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 that adaptation of like oh wow like 
so this is the digital world and this is kind of fun you know this isn't yeah. as hard as it used to be when we were growing up and i'm, and I'm putting us in there together because like i mean we're both pre-internet days too like i'm 41 but i remember pre-internet days <laughs> i mean aol aol is the start of it but yeah go go ahead go ahead yeah i mean the the, the digital the tools that are available are just awesome and they're going to keep getting better but the people's um, human nature doesn't change that much. And so this idea of having relationships with people and people wanting to be associated with you or what you do or your product or service because they really like it and there's an emotional connection to it, that is going to be the key. So it's funny you mention this because just today I was reading, you know, they're talking about, well, Apple is saying, you know, the next uh, update, they're going to put uh, tracking. You have to opt in to every to tracking. And of course, a bunch of people that do SEO and Facebook is like, this is going to ruin everything because mm -hmm. we're not going to know all this information. Well, when you're, in a, when you're in a world where people know who you are personally, they know what you represent, they know what you stand for, you don't need tracking and you don't need search engine optimization. You just need people to call people to talk about you and the fact, you know, I, we're not here today because I saw a, a banner on Facebook pop up that said to click on you to meet you. It was Letty that did that. Mm -hmm. And Letty was led to me because she liked my message. Uh, and I attracted a, a per she's like-minded and you're like-minded with her. And so we, you know, there's this, it kind of comes together through those, those chance opportunities, but you got to be authentic on who you are. And even, you know, someone sent me an invitation for, um, a clubhouse last month and I've been kind of checking it out and all of a sudden it went from like these cool conversations to everyone's like how to make six figures in, <laughs> in, in one month. I'm like, okay, just take what you've been doing online and just move it over to, uh, to, yeah. to the clubhouse now. And I go in those rooms and they're full because everyone wants the quick win. They want the right. secret diet thing. They want the secret pill. They want the secret thing to make, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in three months and it just doesn't exist it is not real there's work that has to be done there's discipline and there has to be an authenticity to you uh, who are you if you can be who you are and sell what you sell by who you are over time things are going to work out they will work out over time they're not going to grow fast but you know, they're not going to decline fast either it's same culture culture rises strong cultures rise slowly and they decline slowly um, so anything that happens fast can go away fast and uh, for me, that's what community is. I can start to help people and talk to people, interact with people who are interested in what I have to say. I'm interested in, in bringing up topics that they want to talk about. And, um, you know, to, to tell the truth, they're willing to pay a subscription fee to be part of that. And uh, but we could be friends and we can talk about it. I'm creating a place for them to meet other people. Um, that's the biggest thing. I was nervous about this community thing, which I learned is I shouldn't be nervous about. I thought I was going to have to be this authority that got on, you know, four times a week or four times a month for an hour at a time and shared every, all the things of the wisdom about life so they could be happier. And I realized is I'm just a participant now in that community. I help facilitate the conversations, but I'm attracting people that like the conversations we're having and I get to lead the conversations. And sometimes I get to be just one of the group to, have someone else lead it, but people get a lot out of it because you can have people from all over the world, right in your living room in your office and you can get all kinds of ideas and make all these things happen, which is just unreal to me. The, the fact we're able to connect like this today is never lost on me. It is, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I love everything you just said on there. And, and, um, and it's I like anything that you, uh, what was it? Anything you get quickly, you lose quickly, right? Something like that. Yeah, it was, it was so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, think, think about it. GameStop. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, I doubled up. Well, good for you because you got lucky. The other person lost their life savings. Now, it's like that's you didn't work for that. And it's just it's it's risky when it, the risk goes up when you expect to get things quickly like that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, in, in the, the part that I love when you're like, yeah, and everybody just moved the conversation from that platform over to Clubhouse and, you know, the six figure, you know uh conversations and it's because everybody wants the quick fix and and it's and it's funny like <clears throat> you can't herd from one platform to another platform to another platform you can't escape the original thing and you right. having a conversation on different platforms the same conversation is 
a pattern that I think people should t- take a step back. I, I, I too have been observing on Clubhouse and I was invited to go onto a panel the other night and, and it was cool because it was more about kind of like just the, the alignment between our, our personal selves and our business selves. Um, and we, and we discussed a little bit about what you're talking about, like how this, this, this culture of, of quick fixes and, and it, I, I hate to tell everybody, but I'm, I'm passionate to tell everybody you cannot take the short, you don't want the shortcut. I, I get that. And, and it's interesting when, when people have certain things, I ask them, I'm like, why do you even want it? I need to know why you want it. Like, oh, well, I, I want all the money. I'm like, I totally get that. I totally get it. What will it be solving? And they say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I can do whatever I want and this and that. I'm like, okay, and what does that make you feel? I'm like, well, uh, free. I'm like, you realize freedom is a feeling and it's free already. And I'm like, and I get it. I get it. I get it. It's harder to feel that way when you feel the constraints of society. And again, I'm like, well, stop feeling the constraints of society. You know, yeah. and right? Just jump into the process and build one step at a time. You know, learn the processes because to your point, if you get it fast, you can lose it really fast. You can lose it even faster. So uh, yeah, yeah. And there's some age has something to do with it also. I mean, as you know, I'm 51, and as I'm getting older, um, the things that I really enjoy, um, money can only fill a certain amount of those things. Like you know, Valor and I, we just bought our um, our local pass for the ski, the um, Breckenridge, and the whole Vale thing. So that cost us each $600 for the season. And I'm like, okay, check. I, we have both got our $600 passes and that's exactly what we want to do is go skiing. So, okay, money solved that problem. And um, so it's it, your point is um, it's hard to be content. There's always something else we want. There's always something else that we want to add. And if you can get to a point and be content with what you have, um, that's where I think the, the true happiness starts to come. And, you know, when I was, when I was at Disney, I worked hard. I got promoted. I loved getting the money because I had to pay for, you know, uh, paid the mortgage of the house to pay for the tuition for the kids. And, uh, you know, there's money takes care of a lot of things, but I think you need to be, instead of blindly following that, you just got to figure out, okay, what is it going to solve? Is it going to make me have a better relationship with my spouse? Well, no, that doesn't, that's money can't fix that. So you need to figure that out. Is it going to help me be better at raising my kids so they make better decisions when they get older. No, that's, that takes, that takes parenthood. Money's not going to fix that. Um, I had a guy on my podcast a few uh, last month, Ambus Hunter, and he does uh, financial coaching for people. Mm -hmm. And his thing was really cool. He said, what is your relationship with money? Um, Because I mentioned him, the, you know, the five love languages. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, I asked people, what is your love language with money? What is it that money's going to help you get? And once you understand that, then you have to, you can understand, okay, then how much do I need? And is it really going to deliver what I want it to deliver? Is it going to make me feel elite? If that's what I really want to be, then I need to figure that out. Is it going to give me freedom? Okay, what kind of freedom is it going to give you? Is it going to give you the freedom not to have work two jobs? Is it going to give you the freedom to travel? So once you see what it enables you to do, then you can focus on that part of it and not just the, um, you know, the accumulation of it. Mm. So true. I mean, and, and that's really what I, I've noticed about um, accountability. Anybody that is struggling with um, any particular area, money, health, fitness, finances, relationships, um, job, I, I just ask them, like, what's your relationship with it? Like, have you dissected that? Like, what, you know, so with money, is it, is it the fear of losing it? Is it the, is it not having enough? Why is that even there? Um, how would you like to make it? What would be the most, like, just, it's funny. The fear is just not leaning into understanding it. It's just simply moving away from it and just feeling the fear only. And I'm like, you know, you can instantly get rid of the fear just from just starting to have a conversation with yourself about why it's even there in the first place. And then leaning into, okay, well, what would be the key activity that then would take that thing away? I guess I'll now start reading about it or I'll, I'll ask this advisor how to do this or I'll go get this particular type of job which helps supply for that. We, we have so many answers so quickly for ourselves. <laughs> Speaking of quick fixes, <laughs> we have our quick fix answers for ourselves if we just dial in the self-awareness as to your point, leading, into, leading yourself first. Um, what, do you, what do you have coming up next? Like what's, what's, what's next on deck for you right now? Well, uh, gosh, we're, you know, we're starting to see things sort of loosen up a little bit as uh, we move forward with the vaccine going and, you know, different, I know different countries and different parts of the, the, the country are starting to um, 
undo some of the rules as we, I know we have a ways to go. 2021 is still pretty un, unpredictable, but um, uh, Valerie and I, we're doing um, a little bit of uh, uh, consulting with a couple of companies, helping them with their organizational structure and helping them um, grow their businesses through hiring and how they communicate. Um, we are creating a university for uh, a company, um, a, a big uh, real estate developer. They want to create an internal university so they can have training and development and really offer great developmental opportunities for their people so they can attract highly talented people and retain them. So we're helping them with that. And then uh, Valerie and our daughter Margo during the quarantine, they created an undergrad uh, college course based on my book. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's a 13 week program. So we're, we're, uh, we're piloting that at a, a Suffolk community college. And we're going to start selling that through a, a person we're partnering with for universities and I have the community going and um, we're, uh, we're going to start traveling a little bit. So we, like I said, we're, we're putting our fingers in lots of different pies because the theme is always very similar. It's like, all right, you want to retain your people. You want to make sure that they're doing a great job. And by doing that, you need to be flexible as a boss to make sure you understand the work environment you're creating for them. If you can do that, you're going to understand your customers because if you're empathetic to your employees, you can teach your employees to be empathetic to your customers. And then the holy grail of everything is intent to return and intent to recommend. That's what we live by, die by Disney. After your experience, after paying the exorbitant prices here, are you coming back? Hmm. People said, yes, we have done our job. And if they're willing to recommend this experience to other people to come to Walt Disney World, then we've done our job. And so that's what we really focus on with companies now. It's not making money in the moment. It's once you spend all that money on marketing and all that money to get that customer to come buy something from you, now you have an opportunity to really nail it and have them start talking about you positively to their neighbors online, wherever that is, and come back and buy more stuff from you. And I think, once again, it's, it's the long game, but I think a lot of companies don't understand that. And so we're, we're continuing to look for people who are interested in that message and how to implement that. You will be busy for a very long time, <laughs> basically, as we move into this new era. Uh, it's amazing. Where, where can everybody find you online and uh, your website and, and all the all the things yeah. to be able to reach out to you? Every, everything we have and do. I built the first website, dancockrell.com, and it's okay. And then my wife built cockrellconsulting.com, which is awesome. And it's got video and all kinds of cool stuff. So cockrellconsulting.com, you can find our email you can find information on the podcast. You can find uh, all the stuff we do is there. One-stop shopping and, uh, uh, and check that out. That's amazing. But I think it's cool the two of you working together, building websites from scratch. I, again, like I, I mean, you guys didn't do that before. Now you're doing it now. And I tell people, I'm like, like how'd you build a website? I'm like, there's YouTube, Google. I'm like, there are things at your disposal now more than ever. I'm like, we're living the most convenient time ever. I was like, I, I mean, obviously I'm going back about 15 years of learning WordPress from the very get-go. And then also it's also my background now at this point. But I mean, but still, like I'm not a coder. I was like, guys, like there's just so much information and we all have access to it. So that's amazing. Dan, thank you so much for being on the show. I can't believe it's actually been an hour already. That's usually what happens. Um, yeah. I, I tell everybody that comes on, it's a journey-driven podcast. So you're welcome to come back on again. We can tackle some more really cool key subjects. Um, you know, what look what's going on today with you is going to be very different six months from now, a year from now, any time really from now, a day from now. Uh, so you're welcome back on any time. And I just wanted you to know you're, you're always welcome here as a guest and as family. Well, I appreciate that. And I, when I saw your guest list, I showed my wife, I'm like, I'm going on that show. Check out who's been on this show. So that was pretty cool. Um, the, the one thing I will leave you with, uh, my grandfather was, uh, he went to U.S. Naval Academy back in the 1942. He graduated. He was in the three-year class because they were sending people off to war. And he retired a, an admiral in the Navy. He was a really, I mean, incredible guy. He left me a quote that I still have written down that I share often Um and, uh, and it, it ties in what you were talking about earlier. The quote he left me, which is his personal quote, was, do your best, then forgive yourself. Mm. And uh, I just love that. And I want to leave your listeners with that because I think there's a lot there. And you, people all hear that quote differently and understand it differently. But I think it's a great way to lead your life. Do your best and then forgive yourself. And uh, that'll help you through a lot of things. Uh, I think that's actually so well put and a great way to end. I, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you have to show yourself grace. Growth is a process. Um, and we don't, you know, we're, we're 
we're constantly building on ourselves and we don't always know what we're doing and we make mistakes like give yourself grace you're trying that's all that matters so i i think that's i think it's very well put um i appreciate you being on the show again you're welcome back on anytime uh, i know my audience appreciates you uh, hang back for one second. I'll just uh, connect with you here offline in a second. But for everybody listening, Dan Cockrell, um, dancockrell.com, Cockrell Consulting, C-O-C-K-E-R-E, wait, E-R, wait, what is it? <laughs> let me, let me pull it back up. E-R, yeah, E-R-E-L-L.com. So cockrellconsulting.com and dancockrell.com. You can also find him on Instagram as well too. Reach out to him. You guys know how we work. You know, it's very community driven. Uh, he's very community driven. Uh, reach out to him, check out his community that he's got going on. Uh, and you know, his background should speak for itself, but if not, this podcast should definitely speak for itself. So, uh, you know, he's got a lot of wisdom you can learn from, uh, Dan, I truly, truly appreciate you being on the show, man. Thank you again. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. For everybody listening, uh, for my amazing guest, Dan Cockrell, for myself, Matt Gottesman, for us sold separately. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you for all the ratings and reviews. Please continue to do so on Apple. It helps expand the show's reach. Uh, and I'm just, I'm truly grateful for all each and every one of you. Thank you guys. We're out.